The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake, by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. The church, the Catholic Church in America, especially, is in a crisis today. Well, crisis, if we we look around, if we look at 2018, 2018 was not a good year for the Catholic Church, right? But it's not been a good year for the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years in the Catholic Church. If we look at most recently the clergy abuse scandal that didn't just happen this past year, but has happened... Multiple years, right? But more than that, just the realization of the abuse that, and the accusations of the hierarchy, the mismanagement of the abuse cases, the accusations that go even all the way up to the Pope. But also there's other things that the church has problems with in America, right? It's at odds with the common culture in America, with its positions on traditional values that are odds with the world. But of course... It's not just that. It's, it's also we also haven't lived up at times to those traditional values or the values that we teak, speak about. That our divorce is just as high as any other group of people in the United States. We look out at the church and we, we see that priests are few in between. That the demographic is that most priests are old. In a few years, we'll be retiring. And there's not enough to replenish them all. But it's not just the priests, right? It's also if we look in this church today, if we look around demographically, in another 20 years, who will still be here? What kind of church will be here at St. Joseph's? What kind of church will be here in northern Wisconsin? If we look at the demographics, it doesn't look good. We have few marriages 
We have few baptisms. There's fewer and fewer people in religious education class. And few of those come to Mass on Sunday. There's a collapse in the church. And we should ask, why? Another priest, uh, Father Fish, I saw one of his comments on this most recently, and I, I kind of identify with it in some ways. He says, Working for the Catholic Church in America in 2019 feels something like working for blockbuster movies in 2005. We're still arguing about how we should display the DVDs, and meanwhile, our current model and the customer base is about to collapse. That's kind of like what we're looking at. We're looking like in some ways where we sometimes argue about things or try to figure out small things when in reality we've got some big problems. We've got some big issues that are coming. And so what do we do, right? Do we argue about how we display the DVDs? Right? Or do we explain about and argue and, and dive a little bit deeper? I fully believe that the problem in the church is not our history It's not our teaching, it's not our morals, it's not the way that we celebrate Mass, it's not what we have in the Catholic Church. Our problem is, is that we haven't fully lived out and known and acted on our history, our teaching, our morals, our prayer. That we haven't always gone into the deep. That at times we just live superficially as Catholics, and when we live superficially as Catholics, well, there's not much fruit. And when we don't sacrifice, when we don't make the church what it's meant to be, that other people see that. And there's a reason why we're having the difficulty that we have, because it hasn't always been lived out. But is it all doom and gloom? No, I don't want to leave you on doom and gloom. I don't want you to seem as if like, well, it's over with. No, no, no. There's always hope. And we look at the founding of the Catholic Church. The founding of the Catholic Church, our founder, Jesus, was crucified and was put into a tomb and all the disciples huddled into a room and locked the door. Okay? That was a pretty bad start, right? But yet, from that, from the twelve apostles, from the other disciples that were with them, they evangelized and changed the world. That we ourselves are here today because 2,000 years ago, there was a small group of disciples who lived out the belief that was given to them through Jesus Christ that they believed in Jesus Christ, were formed by the Holy Spirit and lived out their faith in everything that they did. And it changed the world. We look at Peter today. And I think it, I love this story, but he spent all night, right, toiling, and he caught nothing. But at Jesus' word, when he cast into the deep, He caught such an abundance of fish that it was sinking his boat. We look also at St. Peter, or St. Paul. I already looked at St. Peter. St. Paul, today in the second reading, St. Paul was persecuting the church. He was there at the first uh, martyrdom of St. Stephen. 
and was breathing fiery fire against the church. But yet, through the example of those Christians that he was persecuting, and through the grace of Jesus Christ, he himself also began to believe in Jesus, and he would become the greatest evangelizer the church has ever known, and would single-handedly change the course of history in the Roman Empire. We look at how does St. Paul talk about this evangelization. He speaks about it. He says in the second reading, I handed on to you as of first importance what I also received. That we ourselves all received the gospel from someone. Maybe it was our parents, probably our parents. But maybe it was a teacher that really stuck out to us, right? Maybe it was a friend who lived out the gospel in a way that was inspiring. Maybe it was a different adult that you kind of saw. But it passed on through person to person. And it doesn't pass on just through through a private living. But it is when it's lived out in life. It affects those around you. I'd like to go on to a little bit of a more serious topic in our culture right now, or at least a, a kind of current events that's happening. On January 22nd, uh, Governor Como of New York State passed and signed the Reproductive Health Act, which allows abortion into the third trimester. This is one of the most aggressive abortion laws that have ever been passed, and Governor Como himself identifies as Catholic and says that he lives out the Catholic faith. And so, but he's gotten a little bit of flack because it's like, well, if you're Catholic, how can you support abortion? And not just be okay, you know, right, but clearly support it. And his response in an op-ed on this last Wednesday is he said, as a Roman Catholic... I am intimately familiar with the strongly held views of the church. Still, I do not believe that religious values should drive political positions. End quote. So I ask, kind of, what does drive political positions? What does drive our actions on a daily basis? Is it the polls? Is it personal whims? Is it selfishness? Is it what we just happen to think that day? What drives these political positions? What drives our actions every day, if not our religious belief? He continues on in the op-ed. He says, I was educated in religious schools, and I I am a former altar boy. My Roman Catholic values are my personal values. The decisions I choose to make in my life or in counseling my daughters are based on my personal moral and religious beliefs. End quote. But what are they based on? I would say that his example and his living out of Catholic faith, I'd be surprised if anyone is inspired by that to come to Mass on Sunday, to pray, to live out the Catholic Church. Cardinal Dolan, uh, his uh, bishop out in New York, has responded in different ways. I love this one statement that he says. So, 
Governor Cuomo, of course, says, you know, like, no, religion and my beliefs are very personal. And Cardinal Dolan says, yes, religion is personal. It's hardly private, but it's hardly private. As the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and struggle for civil rights so eloquently showed, Governor Cuomo's professed faith teaches discrimination against immigration is immoral too. Does that mean he cannot let the moral principle guide his public policy? Clearly not. End quote. We see that religion is very personal. It should be personal to each one of us. We should have a personal relationship. We should engage with it personally and not just in a di- distant institutional way. However, if it is only private, it will remain private and never be passed on. Our private, our personal, affects what we do publicly. It affects everything that we do. And if we keep our personal things just private, well, then they will remain just that. Cardinal Dolan continues on in this in another place. He says, The civil rights for the helpless, innocent baby in the womb or the civil rights, and, and so he references another Democrat, a liberal Democrat, Pennsylvania, Governor Robert Casey, once remarked, he says, it's not about right, right versus left, but right versus wrong. Also, this Governor Robert Casey of Pennsylvania remarked, and he says, I didn't get my pro-life beliefs from my religion class in a Catholic school, but from my biology and U.S. Constitution classes. We realize that, as kind of going back, why do I bring up all of this? Well, I think that our Catholic beliefs should form everything that we do. We we are experiencing a a great uh, difficulty in the church today, a collapse, a um, crisis. But I don't think it's because of the values that we hold. It's not because of the difficulties that the Catholic Church teaches. I think it's because we ourselves, and, and I've, it's not as if it's all you, right? It's also the priests. It's also the bishops. But it's not just the priests and the bishops. It's not just our lives, because our life can only affect so many people. It's all of you that make the difference. We realize that one person really can change the world. That our parish community, really, if we started to live out, if we started to allow our Catholic faith to form, to active, and to live it out in all that we do, we would change this parish so that there was standing room only. We could double the people easily. There's enough people in Rice Lake. There's enough former Catholics who aren't connected with the Catholic Church anymore. That just if we evangelize Catholics that we knew that don't come to Mass anymore, we would change this parish. And through changing this parish, we would also change this whole community of Rice Lake. And if we did that, we would change the the state. We could change northern Wisconsin. We could change the state. And we really could change the nation and the world. And you say, well, Father Samuel, that's a little bit much, right? 
But if we look at certain examples, we look at St. Peter, who himself was called today, and he left everything and became a fisher of men, and he changed the world. We look at Mother Teresa, a small woman who did amazing work in India, changed the whole world because everything that she did was formed by a love of Jesus, by her gospel values, by her Catholic teaching. And it wasn't easy, it was difficult, but it changed the world. We ourselves don't have to just walk into obscurity. But wherever we are, whatever position in life we are, strengthen those personal values that we have, those personal connections with Jesus Christ, but allow those to not just remain private and hidden, but allow them to form all that we do. Jesus asked Peter to cast into the deep, and he caught more fish than he could take, so much so that the boat was sinking. We ourselves, if we cast into the deep, not forgetting our history, our tradition, our morals, our values, but instead cast into the deep and really knowing them and living them out, we can bring in a catch that's more than this church can hold. The Lord asks in the first reading, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord. The thing that will change the church is not just a campaign. It's not just signs out in our front lawn. It's not just something that a bishop will say or a priest will start to change to do. It's not just a certain policy. It's each person responding to the call of Christ that will change the church, that will change the, the way that we live. We'll change this from a story of blockbuster to a story of redemption, a story of the 12 apostles to the story of St. Paul. We are in a crisis today, but a crisis doesn't always end A crisis sometimes gives us an opportunity to do so much more. We see this as an opportunity not to bicker about how our DVDs are displayed, but instead to live out and to drive and to allow our personal beliefs to form everything that we do for the respect to the innocent, to the immigrants, to environment, to the morals and values that we live out and sacrifice in love every day.